Whew, thank you, preacher. Appreciate that. Well, it's been a good day, and uh, I know that many of you worked all day and scurried around and got here uh, tonight, and so I want to say thank you and uh, everything. I am uh, I'm so thankful that folks would come to church on a on a Tuesday night here, and so, uh, man, some of you were here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then last night, now tonight, and uh, everything. I mean, if you got a good thing going, why quit, you know, and so we'll just keep on rolling, and uh, we'll do Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday and Friday as well, and uh, be right here at the same time. And so I'm so thankful uh, for y'all being here again. And I think sometimes preachers and folks take for granted, uh, folks work all day and uh, everything, and they've been faithful to the house of the Lord and to be serving and uh, all of that. And so I just want to just give a big thank you to you tonight and just commend you for your faithfulness. And I know this, the Lord will bless you for it. Hey, uh, it doesn't matter about uh, who is preaching as much as it is who is preached. And it matters about what is preached, the word of God uh, that goes forth. And so I've never changed a life. I've never saved a soul. Uh, boy, I've really never made a difference in anybody's life. But boy, I'm going to tell you, uh, the God I serve, he does all of those things and he does them well. And and so uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about that in Mark in chapter number eight. Mark in chapter number eight. Uh, we will be here this evening. And uh, boy, this is something that I preached for our church a few weeks ago and uh, everything. And I think that it was just I, I think this is what the Lord wants us to have tonight. Um, this thought hit my mind last night and uh, everything as I was kind of praying and and uh, just kind of uh, ready to slide off into sleep, you know, and, and this passage kind of entered my mind. It's been on my heart all day. And so uh, I'm going to give it to you this evening. If we get done and you're like, you know, that wasn't it, preacher, you can let me know on the way out. All right. And it'll be all right. And you're not going to hurt my feelings. And so uh, uh, anyhow, but I do try to mind the Lord. And so... Uh, it's so funny, uh, man, there's people that talk about uh, all the stuff that they do to get prepared and just and all that. And just, man, with me, it's just like this thought will just run through my mind. And I'm pretty ADD anyhow, you know, and uh, everything. And so my mind runs a thousand different directions. But when one actually hits and sticks, I feel like that's the one the Lord says, hey, I want you to preach that now. And so that is this right here. And man, it's a beautiful piece of scripture here that we're going to read. And, and so in Mark in chapter number eight, uh, the Bible says there in verse number, 19. And I want you, actually, you know what? Let's back up and read a little more scripture. Y'all okay with that? We're going to use our Bibles tonight. And uh, the Bible says here um, in verse number 17, and when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceiving not yet, neither understand, have ye your heart hardened? Well, you talk about a question. So we preach, obviously, already where the Lord says, I know your heart. And he, and he said there, he said, uh, I, I know you justify yourselves before men. But he says, uh, hey, I, I know your heart. Now he poses a question in this passage of Scripture that is one. And by the way, uh, our Christian living is determined by our heart. It's determined by the direct. Hey, listen, our direction and what we do and how we live and how we act. Listen, I tell people all the time, listen, if we can get God to clean up the inside, we'll clean up the outside. Yeah. Boy, if we let the Lord do a work in our heart, boy, there's things that God, uh, that, that God expects from his Christians and from his believers, for his people, his children. Uh, just like in our home, there's certain things that I expect from my children. And the reason that I expect it from them is because they were born in my home. 
They're my children. They belong to me. And there's certain things in our house that bishops do. And they can say, well, so-and-so does not do that. And I say, I do not care because their name does not end in bishop, okay? And because yours does, you know? And listen, let me just go ahead and just step aside and just say this. Hey, parents, it's not good enough to tell our children because I said so. We do need to give good biblical truth and background and principle for what we do and why we do in our home. But there are some things in my home, and I can give a biblical principle too, but like a yes sir and a no sir and a yes ma'am and a no ma'am and those type of things, just common decency and respect, that's going to take place in our home. And I don't care if all the other children and all the rest of the world never say yes, sir, to another person in the world. My kids are still going to get the back of their head slapped if they don't. Follow me? For their namesake and for my namesake. The Lord right here is saying, hey, you've hardened your heart. And he's saying, you know, I think a lot of times we as churches and Christians, we like to get people in here and clean them up on the outside for our glory. So we can say, boy, look what God did in there. No, God didn't do much in there. He may have saved them and there may be some growth there. But boy, we put all this on them. Well, really what we need is we need the Lord to get a hold of their heart. And now all of a sudden it'll be a change that sticks and that matters. But our churches are many times motivated out of pride and they're motivated out of embarrassment. That's wrong. And and here he's saying to the religious crowd, you notice what he started off with. He says uh, in verse number 17, and when Jesus knew it, he said to them, why reason ye? Because you have no bread. The Lord had just done a great miracle where he fed 4,000 people with the bread. And now he's saying to them, you've seen all of that, and yet you've hardened your hearts. Let's read on. Verse number 18. And having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear ye not. And do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they say unto him, twelve. And when the seven among the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? Boy, this ain't the sermon. But I think it just kind of sets the atmosphere tonight for where we're going to preach. He says, you not remember? I took a little boy's lunch. I took a sack lunch. I didn't take it. He gave it to me, by the way. Hey, and this little boy gave me these five loaves and these two small fishes. And, and uh, remember, Andrew, Simon, uh, Peter's brother, saith unto him, but what are they among so many? Man, what Jesus, I, I saw this boy with this little lunch, but I really don't know if it's going to do much. And man, he put it in the hands of the master. And when he put it in the hands of the master, he took the bread and he began to break it. He took the fish and he began to break it. And man, all of a sudden, man, he's getting filled up this basket and he's handed it to this disciple. He filled up this basket. He's handed this disciple. He filled up this basket. He handed that disciple. And man, they're going out amongst the people and the disciples are serving the people. And man, the Bible says that they ate until they were full. What a miracle. Then there's 4,000 people and, and, and much similar the story here of he, he took the loaves and he, and, and he took and he broke them and he fed them 4,000. And he says, do you not remember 
You have eyes and you saw the bread for yourself. Man, you've got ears and you heard the sermon yourself. And and he says, but your mind, you got short-term memory loss. You don't remember. He says, you don't remember how many were left. Yeah, we got the 12, we got the seven. Man, there was leftovers from a little old sack lunch. Hey, the miracle that Jesus did. And he says, you've got a brain, but you don't remember. And that's, I think, where a lot of churches are. Yeah, come on. So Jesus sets the stage. I love the Bible. It's just so, man, it's an exciting book. It's just, it's amazing. I love to study the Bible. I love to just see what's going on. I love to just pick apart those little things. And so Jesus, keep in mind, Jesus put this thought into all those people that are standing around to him, listening to him. He put this seed thought into their minds, and he says, "Uh, have you hardened your heart? What's your heart like? And tonight, I want to do the same thing with Jesus' words to you that he did to them and say this, is tonight, I want you to take a deep look inside your heart. I know this, without the help of God, our heart, the Bible says, is desperately Wicked. And here's what it says. And who can know it? There's one. There's one. And it's the Lord God. He knows your heart. I I don't even know my heart like Jesus does. I, I don't even know when. And that's why that, that one songwriter, man, is so great, and, it, and it's so biblical right there along with the book of Psalm where it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. That was a prayer that we, many times we, we have it played on the piano during uh, invitation time because we're saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I can't even search my heart properly. You know, it's amazing to me how that when I get around the word of God and the things of God, next thing you know, I'll find something in my life that I'm not right with God about that a few hours before I had no clue about. What is that? That's the presence and the spirit of God speaking to me about the wickedness of my heart. And tonight, my desire is this, is that God does the same thing for us that he did for these people right here. As he says, get your hearts, man, uh, prepare yourself. Take a look inward and look not through your eyes, but look through the eyes of the Holy Spirit as I speak to you. Here we go. That was the uh, introduction. Now here's the sermon. Verse 22. Everybody still awake? Say amen. amen. And he cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring a blind man unto him. Boy, I love this. And besought. Well, that's a good word right there. Besought. In other words, they came asking fervently. They had a major need of a friend of theirs, and they needed him to do something about it. They besought him to touch him. The Bible says, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had a spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after uh, that, he put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored. And he saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. 
And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? We may preach on that tomorrow night, but that's a beautiful question there as well. But the Bible says here, when we look there in verse number 22, after Jesus got through reminding them, he says, do you have ears and you don't hear? You have eyes and you don't see. He says, you, you got a brain, but you don't remember. You've got short-term memory loss. You're struggling with things. And, and, and he says, I just want to remind you how many baskets were left over. How, how much had I done for you? And man, I went above and beyond and over. I love the Bible says that he'll do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That's my God. That's who I serve tonight. And tonight we're going to look at this passage of scripture and we're going to hopefully allow God to search our hearts. Heavenly Father, we do love you tonight. And Lord, we're thankful for your word, how it's quick and powerful. Lord Jesus, I pray that it would be you that does the work. Lord, I pray that it would be you that speaks to hearts. And Lord, if there's someone here that is not saved, God, I pray that they would make that decision tonight before it would be eternally too late. And so bless us now in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Here we go. The Bible says, and he cometh to Bethsaida. That little statement right there. there there's a lot of truth that is derived from that little statement. And he cometh to Bethsaida. Boy, there's significance in that. Jesus, he's traveling along. And you notice right after that miracle that they went to Caesarea Philippi and he sent the disciples abroad. But at this point in time, they were all together. At this point in time, Jesus had just taught them a beautiful lesson. At this point in time, I believe their hearts probably burned because of the truth that Jesus had just given them. And now they're looking and saying, oh, man, boy, he's right. I did see that. He's right. I did see the miracle. And now we're reasoning among ourselves and now we're questioning things and now we're wondering. And, you know, it's amazing how God can do something and how so quickly we can forget how great our God is. Isn't it amazing? We're just like the children of Israel who crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground and it closed back up on all of the Egyptian soldiers and it killed. I mean, it, it took care of business and there they are rejoicing. And boy, it wasn't too much long later. They're out there in the desert and they're complaining about everything that God had done for them. So before you go looking down your nose at anybody else, you ought to keep intact and in mind that, uh, oh, you know what? I do that too. There's not one person in here. I'll just go ahead and tell you this. There's not, and I'm not going to miss on this one, by the way. There's not one person in here that has not done that at some point or another. Okay? So we can all get down off of our high horses. <laughs> all right? And we can just get down here. I love it. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all had to come to Jesus the same way as through the blood of Jesus Christ to get to Christ. Hey, I'm just telling you, we all had to do the same thing. There's not one person in this room that is any better or any more spiritual, if you want to call that. Hey, I'm just telling you, uh, we're all just soul sinners that God saved us by his grace. And we ought to thank him. We ought to praise him for it. And we ought to be gracious, by the way, to others because God's been so gracious to us. It's just the truth of the matter. So he enters into Bethsaida. 
Let's get back to that sermon, that one that I had here I was planning on preaching, okay? And when he enters in there, the Bible says that some men brought to him a blind man, and they besought Jesus. Notice the wording, that he would touch him. He would touch him. Now, let's look at a couple things about these men, first of all. Number one, I admire, I admire their faith. They had heard, I believe the reason why they said that Jesus should touch him, because they had either heard or seen it done to someone else. And so therefore, they thought if Jesus could do it for that man, then maybe, just maybe, Jesus would do it for this one. And can I say to you, that's the kind of believers that we need to be. We need to be the type of believer that just looks and just says, hey, there may be a life that has a lot of impossibilities. Hey, there may be a life that, man, their, their marriage is messed up. Their home is messed up. Man, they've got all this kind of stuff. Hey, but maybe, just maybe, hey, if I get them to Jesus, man, Jesus can set their feet on a rock and establish their goings and do for them what he's done for so many others. Oh, man, these guys, they were the right kind of Christians. They had a desire to get somebody to Jesus who had a need that was greater than them. By the way, that's the way churches ought to be. Guess what? If I go to a church where everybody looks like they belong there, I realize I've showed up at the wrong church. It's the truth. We ought not be in a church where everybody looks just like a Christian. Because if they do, chances are there's two things that can happen. Either number one, well, I know number one, they're not reaching people. Yeah. They're not bringing people to Jesus. Come on. Come on, brother. And then number two, and we'll probably get into this on Thursday night, and that is this, is they have to be very cautious to not become the Pharisee. Amen, so that was commercial, commercial break. <laughs> So they bring him to Jesus, and when they get there, man, I admire their faith. Because they'd seen or heard Jesus do something before, and they thought, oh, man, this is our only shot. This is our only hope. I admire the fact that when they got to Jesus, they spoke on the blind man's behalf. Thought about that? I liken that to a prayer life. Prayer, I love it is just as big as God is. Yeah. I mean, prayer is just, when you're accessing an almighty God, and here they came to him, and they didn't just bring him to Jesus, but when they got there, they besought Jesus. In other words, they pled with him, and they asked of him. And by the way, uh, they were asking on behalf of someone else. Yeah. Man, that ought, to, that ought to depict our prayer lives today. Sure, I'm praying for my family. And sure, there's needs that I have in my home. But at some point or another, man, we've got to be Christian enough and we've got to have enough of a walk with God that our prayer life consists of more than selfish needs and we start praying and besetting God on behalf of others who have a greater need than ours. And I admire the fact that those two fell, or those fellows that got there, man, they, they had enough faith in the Lord that they brought him there. And they not only had enough faith, but they spoke on behalf of him that he might see him healed. All right, so enough about those two guys, or three or four, however many people were there. Bethsaida, Jesus is traveling through. Another one of them things, okay? 
and they bring him the blind man. And when they get there, the blind man is there. And the Bible says that they came and what they expected Jesus to do was to touch him that he might receive his sight. That's what the Bible says. That they wanted him to touch him. Now Jesus touched him, but not in the way they expected. And I'll just go ahead and let me just go ahead and run that rabbit for just a second. Hey, the Lord doeth all things well. Amen. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew how he was going to do it. And he reached down there and he grabbed that blind man's hand and he headed off. And they were probably sitting there thinking, saying what he did last time. Now, I'll just bear down this for about 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Don't time me. We like to put God in a box Come on. and try to make him work the same way he did last time. But not, God is not confined. God is not confined and will never be confined. And it's an insult to God to try to confine him to work in just this manner or this manner or this manner or this manner. Those guys had seen what Jesus had done and it was good. And they were hoping for the same thing. And they got the same result in the end, but it was something totally different. I don't think we should throw away everything, okay? I think we should stay as close to the Word of God as we possibly can get 1,000%. I think that our churches need to be 100% biblical, but sometimes we get so steeped in our traditions, we say, well, if God's going to send revival, it's only going to be in this manner. And God's looking at us and saying, you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah, come on. So, boy, I really got to get to this sermon. Man, I preached a long time. Here it is, here it is. He led him out of town. I looked at that verse and I thought, why did Jesus, why, why didn't Jesus just, and obviously what I just told you, but if you look in your Bibles in Matthew, I want you to see this. In Matthew, in chapter number 11, I'm going to flip back there. Matthew in chapter number 11, in verse number 21, I want you to see it with your eyeballs here. The Bible says this. Verse number 20, we'll read it. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. And notice this. He says, woe, verse number 21, unto thee at Chorazin. Woe unto thee. What's that next word? Bethsaida. Hold on a second. Jesus was upbraiding. He was getting on to. He was yanking their chain. And he was saying, these are the cities that I've done the most work in. The majority of my works that I have been done. And he began to name the cities. And as he was naming the cities, he came down to the city Bethsaida. And now Jesus, if we refer over here to Mark, where we were originally at, the Bible says that Jesus was traveling through Bethsaida. And as he was there, the Bible says they brought that blind man to him and they besought him that he would touch him, that he might receive his sight, that he might be healed. And the Bible says that Jesus grabbed him by the hand. And what did he do? He got out of town. 
The first point tonight is this, simple. The first thing I see in this story is this. Because of their hardened hearts, they squandered the greatest works of God. It got so bad, and their hearts were so hard, that literally when Jesus had the opportunity to do a work before their very eyes, he let him out of town. And then when he got done, he said, don't go back into town. Go back to your house. Whoa. What a statement that Jesus just made of a group of people. Now, I'm going to try to preach quick here, but I I want this to let let it just sink in for just a minute. Oh, my goodness. Jesus said, the place that I've done the most are the ones who have appreciated it the least. Let's bring it home. I think you're already there, but I'll go ahead and say it. At the place, listen, the United States of America is not any better than any other country in the world. Can I tell you that? But I'm going to tell you, I think we're more blessed than any other country in the world. I've been overseas. I've been to different countries. I've even been to Canada and I've even been to Mexico, the ones closest to us. And I'm going to tell you, there ain't nothing that compares to where we live. Oh, we're the freest of the free. Man, I love living here. And even though we complain about things that are happening and going on, man, I'm telling you, we're good. And if you look back in, in the early ages of our country and how it was started, and man, those preachers that preached, and man, the sinners in the, uh, the hand of an angry God, and how that people literally, man, they were begging to get saved because they thought the earth was going to open up and they were just going to fall into hell. And man, how the Spirit of God was working and, and all the miracles that took place to get us where we're at. And man, we've seen revivals take place where millions of people were saved in one revival and all of that happened right here on this soil where we stand in the United States of America. We have been blessed and we've seen the works of God. But I truly believe that we're getting almost to that point. Man, where, and listen, I'm not a Newman Glenn preacher. We're going somewhere in just a second. I'm going to get there, I promise you. But uh, let me just say this. Hey, I believe that we as churches, there's many churches who have seen the blessings of God and they've become comfortable with where they're at and they're not appreciative of what God has done. And so therefore, because of that, God says, I'll do it elsewhere. Now, there's people that sit back and say, well, we just got to hold our group together and sure up our churches because the Lord's coming again. Well, can I just tell you right now, God never rescinded the Great Commission. Pretty certain he never did. God never rescinded his word where he says, I'm not willing that any should perish. So in other words, that tells me because he never rescinded any of those statements He's still in the saving business. He's still in the revival giving business. He's still in the life changing business. He's still in the home fixing business. Hey, he's still in the the drug problem fixing business. He's still in all of that. And he's still doing it and he's doing a good job at it. The problem is, is that he's done so much for us and we've looked right past what he's done and we put the emphasis on ourselves and what we can do and what we can build and all this kind of stuff. And God says, if you won't handle it, then I'll go somewhere where they do. Man, I can take you to third world countries where you can get up and preach and literally hundreds of people will walk the aisle and beg to get saved and they'll wait for hours for somebody to deal with them. They will. 
But I get a little bit long-winded and preach an hour, which I try not to. I really do. But I'm going at something right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I told my people the other day, I said, I'm going to try to preach about 20 minutes this morning. When I got done at 30 minutes, I said, well, I tried, but I failed. You know, I apologize. Man, we complain about everything. We gripe if it's too warm in the church. We gripe if it's too cool. Man, we gripe if, if, if we're throwing in five extra nights of church in one week. We whine and complain. And the Lord's just looking at us, shaking his head, I truly believe, and just saying, I've done the most for all you people. I've done so much for you. Have you not seen the miracles? Boy, I can look back and just think, hey, I, I, don't, I don't know about this. I know for me, man, in my life, I can look back just in one year and I can see the leftovers of the miracles of God in my life over and over and over and over again in one year. Yeah. One year. In one year, God's given more to me than some people across the world hey, will get in an entire lifetime. Hey, the miracles of God. And they go unnoticed. And they go unappreciated. My prayer is that the Lord just never leads anybody out of this church. Yeah. Says, I'll do my work elsewhere. Yeah. Just like our church in Freedom Baptist and Rosebud, I, I pray that it's never that way. And I want our people and I want you tonight to search your heart and understand, hey, God's done so much for me. Hey, I could live 10,000 lives and praise him every second of the day and it wouldn't even come close to touching what Jesus has done for me. He let him out of town. I see here the squandering of his works. I see here the surrender of the blind man. All right? And that is this. When Jesus grabbed him by the hand, he didn't question. He didn't ask what he was doing. He didn't say, Jesus, I'd rather stay here. I've walked a long ways to get here. When Jesus took him by the hand and he led him out of town, he just followed. Isn't that simple tonight? I love how simple Christianity is. <laughs> tonight, I love that song. I know I revert to songs a lot when I'm preaching because they hit my mind. But wherever he leads, I'll go. Hey, wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll take my cross and follow him. Wherever he leads, I'll go. That, that's what this man said. His cross was that eyesight. His, his struggle was that, that thing that, that, that no one else could fix. And when Jesus, when he finally got there and Jesus grabbed him by the hand, he was ready, willing, and able to follow him no matter where he went. I believe if he'd have walked 10 miles, that man would have gone with him because he knew he was the only opportunity that he had. What made that man surrender? His mindset and his heart. You see, we started with the heart, remember? I believe it's because he knew in his heart that he just had to follow Jesus. And that was his only option. And I believe it was reckless abandon. And I believe he was thankful for some people that got him there. But when he got that relationship, he understood he had to hold on to Jesus no matter what. You know, don't forget who helped get you there. But when it comes down to the brass tacks of things, it's you and Jesus. That's it. 
And boy, he surrendered and he followed him. He went through some embarrassing things. I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but I'll tell you about it. The Bible says Jesus spit. Somebody spits in my face, I'm just going to tell you. I know pastors are not supposed to be brawlers and strikers and all that stuff, but we at least going to have words. We're going to have some problems. And you know, in so following Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. Did you know there's going to be things that are going to be allowed in your life that are allowed in your life by the hand of God himself? Sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow. A lot of times struggles that I blame on God allowing in my life, a lot of times they come in my life because I'm just a numbskull sometimes. A lot of times I bring most of my trouble. My biggest problem is when I stand up and look in the mirror. That's my biggest issue. But when you're truly following Christ, there'll be times when the Lord allows things to come into your life that may not be fun and may not be enjoyable. But boy, I'm going to tell you, they're for our good and for His glory. And you notice right here, the Bible says that when he did that, he said, uh, why don't you look now? And when he looked, he said, I see men as trees walking. I personally believe, this is another one of them things, if Brother Haggett disagrees, he's right and I'm wrong. But I personally believe that this man at some point lost his sight. And the reason being is because how did he know what trees looked like? How did he know what people looked like? Had he been blind from birth, I don't think he would have known those statements to make. But I believe at some point he'd lost his sight. And you know what that gives hope to me and to all of us here tonight, and that is this, is that, you know, sometimes along life's journeys, we get into a place where we lose sight of where we're supposed to be going. And we kind of lose track of things. And I love it when the Lord just kind of reaches out his hand and he, and he picks us up and he, and he clears our vision up and he makes things better. The Bible says that he did another work. Did you know that sometimes, hey, listen, hey, God begins a perfect work in us. Hey, whenever he does that. And you know, uh, the, some I read one guy and he was saying something about uh, well, whenever he did that, you know, uh, it shows the inability of this and that and, and uh, maybe whatever. And I just thought, you know what? <laughs> Might have just took two doses. I've gone before in revivals before and knelt on an altar and got things right. But guess what? I had to do it again. And then I kind of had to do it again because it's a continual work. Amen. I'm not short selling God or anything. Yes, God can do whatever he wants to. It's not God's fault. Sometimes I just kind of got to keep on. And he said, man, I can't see very good. I think that was just another plea of the Lord to say, well, you know what? It's a little bit blurry. I need a little more help. And some of us Christians tonight need to make that statement of the Lord. And you know what, God? I've kind of gotten a little bit blurred by the world. I need a little more help. Hey. Just one more touch. And boy, Jesus did it. And when he did it, man, he received his sight. When he received his sight, boy, you talk about the rejoicing. You talk about the help. I'll reiterate what I said about the other blind man that we talked about. But man, it solved 
all other kinds of problems when Jesus touched him. Jesus healed him. I see the surrender. And then lastly, this one we've all been looking for right here, amen. I see the healing balm of the Savior. The Bible says that he spit upon his eyes. You know, when you do a parallel, if you start kind of do word studies and things, I get intrigued by those things. I think about here, the Bible says this in verse number 23, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. You know, I got to looking and doing some, some study in there. And if you flip over in your Bibles, Revelation chapter number three, I'm going to be turning with you. I told you we we're going to be using our Bible some tonight. In Revelation chapter number three, the Bible says there, He's talking to a church. Now, here's what brings it all together, okay? He's talking to a church that is, he refers to them as lukewarm, okay? So if you look back before what we read, he says to them, he says, you're neither hot nor cold. And he says, therefore, I just want to spew you out of my mouth. Uh, it, it's not, pleasing to me. Now remember back to the story we just read. Jesus said to the Christian crowd, hey, you need to look at your hearts and you need to understand where you're going and what direction you're heading in and it's not the right one. Then he grabs a blind man and he leads him out of town giving us a principle of this is if you shun me long enough and my works long enough, I'll do my works elsewhere. But then we see a picture of a man who says, Lord, if you'll just do anything for me, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then we see that Jesus healed him. He spat upon his eyes. And, and, and if that will, that, that, that balm, that healing ointment that the Bible talks about there, the Bible says in verse number 18, and I counsel thee to buy of me. Gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the, the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with the eye salve, that thou mayest see. See, that's what the Lord wants to do for our churches. That's what he was saying to the church right here. You're lukewarm. And I don't like it. But he says, I want you to buy of me. <laughs> see, I can cause you to see, but you got to buy into the program. That's what he's saying. When I, he, that's what he says when he says, buy of me. Take stock in. In other words, you're, you're getting a portion of it. Uh, some years ago, Bitcoin came out. I don't know if you're familiar with Bitcoin or not. I'm sadly familiar with them. And the Bitcoin was about $1,000 at the time I bought in. And I had a couple of them. And man, one night I was sitting in my living room. I remember this night for the rest of my life, unfortunately. And it shot up to almost $4,000 per Bitcoin. And I'm texting all my buddies and I'm saying, Everybody get out. 
man, we've all quadrupled our money. Things are going great. This is amazing. And this guy texts me back, I'm going to hold out. Another guy texts me back, I think it can go higher. And I'm texting him back, and I'm like, you're crazy. And so I sold out that night almost everything I had. And, man, I made about $6,000 in about a month and a half. And then it dropped back down, and I was making so much fun of them. Man, it was the greatest thing in the world. Until about a year and a half ago, whenever it reached, I think, 53000 a piece, something like that. And here I am looking like a dummy because I sold everything I had. And you know, 6000 was pretty good, but it ain't nearly good as 100000 You know what I'm talking about? I mean, <laughs> it's not even the same neighborhood. It's not even the same zip code. I'm talking about it's a long ways apart. You know, when I read those words in the Bible, buy of me, my mind went to that little story of my life. And I've been blessed. Unless I'm not complaining about the money that I made, I'm thankful for it. But boy, it went to me and it just said this. Lord just told me this. If you'll buy of me and just hold on to what I give you, boy, the rewards will be far greater. But we've got so many people who are selling out. Yeah. Come on, brother. We've got so many people who take a little bit of the blessings of God and they sell it out because they think it's good enough. And the churches and Christians never reach the potential. He says, buy of me gold. Buy of me white raiment so that I can cover your nakedness, so that I can put you in a good place. He says, I want to put the, he says, if you'll just buy in and stay in, he says, the, the result of that is this, it's a good, clear eyesight. Hey, I'm going to cause you to go from being blind to being able to see. And these people that were blind were the ones that he looked at them and he said, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. And he says, man, I can't stand that. Hey, I, I want you to be hot or I want you to be cold. I, I want you to be something. I want you to land somewhere. But there's so many people that are sitting in churches and they bought in for a little while and they've sold it out and all they're doing is filling a pew and they're looking around at other people and they're doing their time and they're punching their time clock and they're going home and they're never changed true. I've got them in our church. I've had them in my pulpit, me. I've been there. God says, I don't want you to be that way. I've got so much more for you. I want you to be able to see clearly. But the problem is we just don't want to buy in. We don't want to sell out lock, stock, and barrel. We don't want to just give everything we got. You know, we, want to, we don't want to do that. We want to just sit back in our comfort of our lives. And the Lord says, hey, I don't like that. Now, there's a lot of people that say we're in that church age and all that stuff. And that's great. Let me leave you this last thought. And then we're out of here. And that is this. When the Bible talks of lukewarm, it's talking of a church as a whole. It's a unit. And you know, <clears throat> this may be a simple little analogy, but when I get into the shower right over here at the Prophet's Chamber, the first time I got in there, turned it all the way on. And then I kind of backed it up a little bit. I found that sweet spot. You know? You know, one time 
when I was reading this passage of Scripture, I know it's just silly, but just, just hear me out. In order to get things lukewarm, there's got to be heat coming from somewhere. You ever thought about that? You can't be lukewarm unless you got, I'm sure there's some cold coming from somewhere too. But there's got to be some heat coming from somewhere. Let's just say we're in that church age. Let's just say we're, we're those people that they say is lukewarm. Can I say to you, the whole world can be lukewarm, but it doesn't have to be right here. Amen, brother. Amen. The whole world can go the other direction. They can sit there in their lackadaisical life, and they can be happy with what they're doing and how they're living. And, man, they can feel good about themselves when maybe they do something for somebody or, or they have a Christmas gift giveaway or this or that. And, man, they all pat each other on the back. They can do what they want to do. But, man, as for me, hey, if there's hot coming from somewhere and there's cold from somewhere, hey, by George, I want to be on the side of where the heat's coming from. I want to be in the place where the Spirit of God is. I want to be when they come in, there's fire in the pulpit. And, man, the Spirit of God has fallen down on lives. That's where I want to be. I'm so sick and tired of dead churches. I want to be in a church where the heat is. That's where I want to be. That's so what I'm saying is, is don't settle with what everybody else is. Hey, quit, man. That's what I told our church. I don't want to be the typical church. I want to be the church where the Spirit of God is. If they don't feel some heat when they get in the church, if they don't feel the Spirit of God, then what have we really done? So as for me, I'm just going to line up on the hot side. That's where I'm going to get. I'm going to do what I got to do. But I'm going to get there. Because, man, I don't want to be on the cold side, that's for sure. And, man, I want to be able to see things clearly. I want to be able to follow the Lord. I want to have a soft heart. I want God to be able to search me and show me things in my life. And man, I'm tender and, and obedient to the things of God. And you know what? There's some of us here, there's probably things that God is speaking to you about for a while and you've been wondering about it, you've been worried about it, you've been thinking about it, but you never surrender. Can I say to you tonight, hey, if you're gonna line up on the hot side of things, you just gotta go ahead and give it all in and buy in to the things of God. Hey, buy of him of gold and white raiment. Hey, buy of him that you might see clearly because you're gonna sit around and question the rest of your life until you say yes to Jesus. Yeah. So tonight, I just plead with you. Don't be those people who've seen all those blessings and they squandered them all. And Jesus said, I'll do my work elsewhere. Hey, I want Jesus to do his work right here. So let him have his way with thee, with you, with me. Or you can have your way. Tonight, some of us need to come to an altar, get on our knees before the Lord, and reach out like that blind man did, and blindly take him by the hand and follow him wherever he goes. It's the only way, only way to keep from getting a hard heart. Some of us tonight, you already know, you know what? That preacher's right, and the Holy Spirit's right. I got a hard heart. Fix it. Let the Lord touch you tonight. Hey, if the Lord needs to spit on you and rub your eyes, let him do it. Because that man went away happy. And I can promise you this, you and I will too. 
Well, there's never been a day when I've obeyed the Lord and I walked away and said, boy, I wish I hadn't have done that. But I can give you multiple encounters with the Lord when I did not do His will. And every time I walked away and wished I would have. Every time. So tonight, don't walk away with a wish I would have. Let's walk away with hearts full and eyes open with the hand of God upon our lives. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Lord, we're thankful for your word, how it's quick and powerful. And God, I just pray this evening. Lord, there'd be some folks that would just come down here to an old-fashioned altar, put away their pride and their selfishness and all those things, and just come down here and say, Search me, oh God, and know my heart. See if there be some wicked way in me. Lord, I, I just pray for us tonight. We get some things right and just line up on the hot side of things. Bless us now, Jesus. In your name I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Is there somebody that says, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know that if I died right now where I'd spend eternity, whether it be heaven, whether it be hell. Can I tell you, there's nothing embarrassing about not knowing Jesus. If you're thinking that right now, that's not embarrassing. You say, why? Because every single person in here that knows Jesus at one time did not. There's nothing embarrassing about not knowing. The only embarrassment that there could ever be is knowing that you need Jesus and not receiving him. Tonight, there might be someone who said, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I died right now, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I'll not come to you, embarrass you, point you out, but I do want to pray for you this evening. Is there anyone like that, Preacher? I'm not sure that I'm saved. Anyone like that? Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I just don't know. But the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. I'm just not sure. Anyone like that? Anyone else? If you raise your hand tonight at a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And I would just encourage you. Brother Haggard will be up here at the front. Man, I would just encourage you. Step out and just come. Man, there's folks here who'd love to take a Bible and show you just a few things just to help you this evening. Church people, church people, I ask you this evening, would you let God examine your heart? Would you let God... Put his eyes out. Would you follow him this evening? And again, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I'm just going to ask for you to move and do the will of God this evening. So I'm going to pray here in just a moment. Lord, for this one that's raised their hand, they're not sure they're saved, not 100%. There might be some doubt. Lord, I pray that you'd help them. Leave here with some assurance. And then tonight for your people. I pray they just come down an old-fashioned altar. Say, God, I've been trying to put you in a box. and Lord, Lord, I just want you to have your free will and way in my life. And Lord, just pray that prayer of surrender. Lord, help us as a church. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand tonight with heads bowed.